Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and we're about to take a wild ride into the lesser-known side of rodeo life. While the biggest names in rodeo are out in the arena entertaining us all, these are the stories of the people behind the scenes, supporting them and holding it all together. Unfiltered conversations with the partners, parents, and children of your favorite rodeo athletes on what it takes to navigate relationships, raise families, and pursue careers while the ones they love are out chasing their gold buckle dreams. Whether you're a part of this big rodeo family, a fan of the action, or a lover of Western culture, Companion Pass is where you'll find all of the insights you've been craving. My guest today is somebody that I know that you all already know and love. And so my goal today is hopefully to help you to get to know her a little bit better because she's got so much to offer. Today, we've got Quincy Eldridge. Now, Quincy, of course, is like the rodeo fashion queen. I'm sure you all know her line, Rodeo Quincy. She's also married to nine times or 10, 10 times. We were just talking about this. 10 time NFR qualifier, Dakota Eldridge, and she's the mom of two beautiful little girls. Thanks so much for being here, Quincy. Of course. Thanks so much for having me on, Lynn. Now, we've got a lot to cover here, and this episode is coming out like in the lead up to the NFR that's going to be happening in just a few weeks, and there's so much to cover there because I know that's like the busiest week for you and Dakota too, but you have just – to say you grew up in and around rodeo is truly an understatement. It's not just a huge part of your life. It is your life. So can you tell us a little bit about just like your background and how deep those roots really go? Yes, of course. I love talking about my family. I was born into a rodeo and ranching family already. My dad's a cattle rancher. My mom came from one of the largest cattle or ranches in Nevada. She grew up and was a Marvel. Her brothers are the Marvel boys, which are notorious for riding Bronx. One of them, my uncle Joe Marvel, is a world champion. My dad rodeoed his brothers. They were big Cal Poly rodeo team members. I was born into the Western lifestyle, grew up on my dad's ranch. I didn't start rodeoing myself until high school. That's when I got involved and just fell in love with the sport. And obviously, I got involved because other family members were already in it, cousins were rodeoing and whatnot. And so, yeah. Now, that's something that I don't know how many people know that about you, if they're just familiar with your clothing line, but that you rodeoed yourself. You rodeoed all through high school and into college as well. And rodeo, too, is where how you met Dakota. Yes, I did. We actually met back at the high school finals. I believe we were sophomores in high school, but he was from the state of Nevada and I was from California. My mom's family were all from Nevada, so our family were actually family friends. And I remember the day I met him, his dad actually, adorable, now my father-in-law, he, he jumped out and said, hey, are you Quincy Marvel? Because my family were the Marvels from Nevada. And he scared me. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I guess I am. And he said, this is my son, Dakota. And I remember meeting him. And then we would see each other at the high school finals every summer. And then we started college rodeo and we would see each other at the college finals every year. So we would like slowly got to know each other, but met each other when we were 14, I think. So how did it go from like casual rodeo acquaintances into full-blown cowboy love? 
<laughs> yeah, it was. I always thought it was like, oh, in high school, he was cute, but I was always too nervous to really talk to him. And he always had a girlfriend. And then in college, he finally got my phone number and started texting me. And then finally, I think it was like a text and asked me out on a date at the college finals. And then <laughs> we went to dinner at the college finals. And yeah, the rest was was history. I did try to get rid of him a few times, but it didn't work <laughs> out. So we both realized we couldn't make it without each other. So I love that. Now, since you came from such a huge background in rodeo, did you like mom or family, did you ever get advice about dating cowboys, dating rodeo cowboys? Did they have opinions about it? Was it, yeah, they're great, marry one, or is it like... <laughs> Here's a cautionary tale. It was kind of the opposite. Yeah, it was run. (laughs) But I think you're always, you always go back to your roots. Yeah, I was just always attracted to, it didn't have to necessarily be a cowboy, but somebody that I had something in common with is what it was. And so I always went back to my roots and the Western way of life. And so that's why I was always super drawn. And that's why what drew me to Dakota. And then we had the family ties in Nevada my grandpa actually taught his dad how to ride a cutting horse and my grandpa helped Dakota in high school cut and my grandpa would come stay with us every winter and he would actually tell me about Dakota and what a (laughs) great horseman he was and yeah and so I definitely you know what he was saying and there's a few brownie points for Dakota when my papa would brag about what a good handy cowboy he was And then when we actually did get together later on, we were like, maybe we should check our family tree. Like our family is very (laughs) intertwined in Nevada. We're both Spanish Basque and go back to like that. And so we were like a little worried there before we actually did get married. We better triple check the family tree. You just need to like really make sure you're not marrying like a third cousin or something. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we both have a large amount of family members in Nevada for sure. Oh, that's funny. I think that you mentioned you might have a funny story about something your mom used to tell you about being married to a rodeo cowboy. Yes, she did. So finally, once I did marry Dakota, it's so hard as Lindsay because you get married and then they're gone and you just miss them. And I remember that first year of marriage telling my mom, gosh, it's just so hard on me. And she said, what? Stop. You have the perfect marriage. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's enjoy your time away. She's there's so much work when they are home. You're always cooking, (laughs) cleaning. And she goes, it's like amazing. Then when you come home, you guys just haven't seen each other. And your time together is just so much more precious. And I now looking back, I do what she said makes a lot of sense. And it is just you can look at the glass half empty or half full like it. It is really hard because they're gone all the time. But look at him. He's getting to pursue his dreams and his career. I'm getting to pursue mine. And in the actual time we do have together, it really is precious time. We don't really spend our time together fighting as much little worried for after retirement. You can let me know how that's going. (laughs) We haven't spent that much time actually together in our 10 years of being together. Oh, it's so true. And it's funny. Obviously, that's funny advice from your mom, the way she said it. But it's really so true that when you view it through that lens, it changes a lot about your outlook on it. Because like you said, you're not focusing on how hard the days apart are. Like you start focusing on how great it is when you come back together. And for me, I think I got to a point in Luke and I's relationship where like, I had to view things that way. We'd been doing it for so long. It was just daunting for me thinking about spending another year apart. But when I started viewing it, just like your mom said, I'm like, oh, this is great. This does work out. 
Yes, exactly. And then now that we're in this like retirement phase, I can offer you a little bit of hope here because I feel, Luke and I have talked about it. I'm like, I feel like we're in like a honeymoon phase now. Like you get to, you have a whole new kind of different relationship. I'm like, I've never had one line marriage like this, of course. This is really fun getting to be together all the time. There are a few things that I'm like, wow, I like maybe you need to take a weekend trip away somewhere. Right. Tired of making the day. Book him a hunting trip. I foresee you and I in the near future sending Luke and Dakota on hunting trips together so that we can get. That's the other thing is when he is gone, I do tend to get more work done because when he is here, I just want to spend time with him because we don't get to spend that time together. And so my productivity level is super high when he's gone, I've noticed. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. And I think I always thought that it would be the opposite. I would I thought like he'll come home and then that's when I'll use the opportunity to like he can be with the boys so I'll get so much more stuff done. And it was exactly – I always found it being exactly like you just said. I'm like I don't want to do any of those stuff. I want to ignore all my responsibilities and just hang out with you and soak up every minute. Yes, and do things as a family for once. Yeah, for sure. So while Dakota is gone, are there any – certain specific ways that you try to support him? Okay. So while Dakota's away, I like to think that I'm pretty good at giving him guilt-free freedom when being on the rodeo road. It's hard enough on these guys when they are away, being away from their family, that I don't feel like I need to add unnecessary stress to his plate. There are days when I come home and I'm exhausted from working all day and his two wild girls are being awful and I want to just rip him on the phone. But I just think what good that do. It's only going to make me angry and him angry and goes back to looking at the glass half full rather than half empty. We're just so fortunate to be out there. Um, There's so many cowboys that would love to be in his position to have made the finals that many times, you know, Um, many women that would love to be pursuing their dream like me too. So just try to focus on that because I think sometimes on the outside looking in, our lives must just look so perfect, but we do face hardships and trials. But I think it's just important to try and look at the class half full rather than half empty. That's so true. And what you said there, like the part that really struck me was when you said you give him guilt-free time away. Like when these guys decide to go pursue a career, even if you're like, all right, go, I, I think it's just hard. I stress all the time, like how long the year starts to feel that they're away, like so many days and they just feel like they drag on forever. And it's really hard to not get to where, not that you're intentionally putting guilt on them, but just like you said, bringing up those things and they call and it never, I don't know, you'll have to tell me if you experienced this because I always felt like my hardest days, my most stressful days, the days where I was struggling with the kids and I was struggling with work and I was exhausted always seemed to be the days when I would talk to Luke and he was having like the best day ever. (laughs) Worry-free, stress-free. He spent the day golfing or something. Yeah. And in times like that, you just want to remind them and it's really, I worked all day from from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. and then I came home to two sick kids and yeah, I, it, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, it's hard not to feel like to let that make you feel a little bit bitter in those moments. At least I felt that way or a little resentful or something like, gosh, even me knowing that he wasn't living this like footloose and fancy free life all the time. I even started to view it that way sometimes. I think it's easy to trick yourself into thinking like, oh, they're just like out there without responsibilities. We have it home. 
Exactly. But I think it's good. And we just have to remind ourselves that they're feeling the opposite. They're so upset that they can't be at the family birthday dinner, or they can't be at that wedding playing with the kids. And they're missing the baby's first steps. And they're missing a lot of family time. Yeah, for sure. Now we've brought it up several times, but your career. So let's talk about how you got started with Rodeo Quincy. Okay. I feel like it was, there's always been actual, I'm like, do we want to start from the very beginning? (laughs) I feel like there's always been signs throughout my life that weren't really apparent until now that I finally am in this position in my career. And I feel like if I were to give advice to anybody looking for that, and it would be that sometimes certain people see things in you that you don't see in yourself. And there was signs of that looking back as early as eighth grade for me. My eighth grade graduation, uh, and the seventh graders put together a skit of what these eighth graders were going to be when they grew up. And it was that I was going to be a fashion designer. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's so cool, but there's no way I'm not going to be that. I need to be like a doctor or a lawyer. There was always these signs. Like I went to a private Catholic school and I always had a bright red rose in my hair or crazy socks, always like trying to stand out. That's who I naturally wanted to be. And sometimes I would get made fun of for that. And I, I luckily I had a mother that was very encouraging and told me not to care what other, others think and to dress that way. And she really encouraged me just to be who I naturally was. And so I just went on with that encouragement doing that. And thank goodness she gave me that confidence because then I went on to high school and uh, the end of my high school career, I was actually at the high school finals and I had been hand painting my own horse tack and started designing little things just for fun, just doing what I loved. That's where I got picked up by Ariat because they saw something in me that I didn't and they gave me the chance to design for them. So then I started college, had this amazing opportunity with Ariat to design with them. But even then, I was still in college thinking, I'm an ag communications major. Like, what am I going to do with my life? I still didn't believe in myself and see myself as this designer. And then it was the end of my college career. Uh, I was taking business entrepreneurship classes and really loving that. And there was a professor there that saw something in me and entered me into a business pitch competition, totally like uncomfortable for me being from the ag department, having to go up against a bunch of business majors and engineers at Cal Poly. But he entered me. And so I was like, oh, no, I have to do this. So (laughs) I went ahead and I did the business competition at Cal Poly. I ended up winning at that level and then went on to nationals to compete in Illinois. So I was pitching a business idea of starting my own clothing company. It's actually a boot company. And I ended up winning the national business pitch there and was congratulated by all these other successful entrepreneurs telling me that I could do this, that believed in me. And I was like, going into it, I didn't even, wasn't really going to do it. (laughs) But then I got home, I was like, the front page of the paper had all these people believing in me and seeing something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. And meanwhile, at the same time, I actually was dating Dakota. And I remember telling him, what am I going to do? It was before I won the pitch competition, but he said, you're going to start your own business like straight out of college. And I was like, I am. And so it was like the beliefs and the confidence that all of these amazing people surrounding me had in me is what pushed me to actually take that jump and try and do it on my own. And I had such a supportive family as well, which helped my mom, my dad, 
hopeful that you can always go get a job. You have your degree, set some goals and you just see where you are in a year. And I had won money from winning that business pitch competition. And they're like, congratulations on your new business. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I started Rodeo Quincy after that. And then it's pivoted since it started as a boot company and then a tack company. And now we're more of a women's clothing company. And it's funny because the name is Rodeo Quincy. And I think people think I have absolutely no tie to rodeo. But little did <laughs> they know it was literally my whole world. And yeah. That's all I did throughout high school and college. And yeah. I'm married to a rodeo athlete, which is a, what a lot of people don't know as well. They see our pictures and our Facebook ads for our clothing company. And they're like, these aren't real cowgirls. It's pretty funny. (laughs) Oh, for sure. One of the things that you were just talking about that really stood out to me was you're talking about all these other people that saw something in you that you didn't necessarily believe about yourself. Like you lacked the confidence that other people had in you. And I feel like lacking self-confidence is something I've always really struggled with. And it has, when I talk to people about it, I always like to say that one of the biggest determining factors in me finding any success is ha- having the people in my life that really believed and supported in me. And I think that like confidence is contagious. When you have, when you're surrounded by it and you have those people that just fully believe in you, they're like, absolutely, you can do this. I don't know why you're second guessing yourself. It really sparks that confidence in yourself. Like, all right, these people, and for me, it was often Luke. Like I saw him being somebody who was so successful and is so self-assured and naturally confident that I'm like, if he possesses these things and he's successful and he sees it in me, then there must be something there. So it's easy to help you to make that first step outside your comfort zone or towards your dream that maybe feels a little bit out of reach when you have people in your corner that are supporting you in that way. I It is so important. I think the number one thing, at least for me, that I would tell exactly. people is to find people like that in your life that believe in you. Exactly. I feel so fortunate to be have blessed with so many people in my life and especially Dakota. You mentioned Luke, but he's definitely been my number one supporter since the very beginning. And whenever I doubt myself or lack in confidence, he's always there to be that confident that I need. And I, because he's proud of me and believes in me, it just helps me keep going. Yeah, for sure. You're talking about these really huge things, like you winning that competition, you starting your business, you getting your deal with Ariat. And so these big milestones and things are happening for you, these big successes, wins, And you're dating Dakota at the same time, but I'm sure these moments that feel really big in your life, like he's not able to be there for because he's out rodeoing. Was that difficult for you? Yeah, no, it's totally the truth. My mom was there when I won that pitch competition at Cal Poly. And when I flew home on the plane, my mom and my dad were there to greet me, but Dakota was at a rodeo. And same thing with my college graduation. There's a lot of things that that they miss out on, but Thank goodness for the communication that we have nowadays. Like I couldn't imagine if it was back to being the payphone days and FaceTime. <laughs> but I think it's uh, the how I get through it is just reminding myself of what we do get to experience together, you know, and him just being able to pursue his dream and mine, mine. And although he can't be there, sometimes he's always just one phone call away yeah. as well as I am. And I think another thing is going into it and marrying these rodeo cowboys, you just know that's what you're signing up for. And I just have to remind myself that also, and that there is going to be a day, 
probably sooner than later for us too, where he will retire and we will yeah. have plenty of time to spend together. <laughs> <laughs> and he will be um, there for my, the wins and the losses because there will still be yeah. more wins and losses down the road. Oh, for sure. One of the things that I see as an observer of your life and fan, I'm a Quincy fan for sure. <laughs> but I'm a Quincy fan. <laughs> you are just such a great example and role model of a woman out there like crushing it in business, right? This brand has become so huge and hearing where you started from, just something that it, this natural evolution of your business. How important do you think it is to have your own pursuits and your own goals? Yeah, I think that's a big part of happiness for me. And one thing, I've never completely depended on a man or Dakota or anybody on my happiness. I think happiness is something that you have to create for yourself. Dakota is a huge part of my happiness, but I don't completely rely on him for that. I also was raised to be by my mom to be very independent. She always wanted me to have a man, but not to be completely dependent on a man. And so that was my focus in my younger years too, was like, I wanted to, when I did decide I wanted to dive first and start my own business, I wanted to be independent and have my own career, not be reliant on anyone else. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's how it should be for everybody, but it works very well for me. And Dakota and I's relationship from the outside look again, I think people might think we have a very strange relationship because we're <laughs> very independent individuals, but it works so well for the both of us because we respect what each one of us is doing so much and it draws us like closer together. Yeah, but we are also are not completely reliant on one another. Like sometimes I do feel guilty because I know some of the wives probably are entering their husbands and are booking their flights, but I don't do any of that. Like I'm busy running a business <laughs> and yeah. raising his kids while he's away. So he's he has people that do help him, like his mother right. <laughs> is wonderful <laughs> in that area. But when and he helps me with my business, he gives me advice, marketing, design advice all the time. I don't necessarily listen to all the design advice he gives. <laughs> I listen to what he has to say, but the actual design ideas, I'm like, okay, stick to steer wrestling, honey. But thank you for your advice. So yeah, we are always there for one another and we're each other's biggest cheerleaders. But if that makes sense, we are very like independent and both focused on our own dreams, our own careers. And we're so fortunate that my business, my career and his both overlap yeah. too, which is awesome. And especially when it comes down to those 10 days in Vegas, it is such a like way to tie off our year because it's the biggest 10 days for him the end of the year. And it's one of the biggest 10 days for me. And we both get to sit back and well, we don't really sit back at all. We're actually running there's no sitting. <laughs> yeah, there's no sitting. But it's such a beautiful thing to watch it all unfold together those 10 days down in Vegas. My own stuff. I've always been super independent, just like you mentioned, which I think has been like vital to Luke and I surviving together. But when I really put like the bulk of my energy and time and focus into what I wanted and my own goals, it made the two of us so much stronger. It made our relationship better. I think we both felt more fulfilled. He didn't feel pressure to like be my everything because he wasn't. I had so many other things in my life. And it's like you said, your mom telling you like encourages you to find a good man, but they don't have to be your everything in order for them to be like a great part of your life. It's just your relationship is – becomes like a small piece of the puzzle or not a small piece, a big piece of the puzzle, but it's not the entire picture. Exactly. You just said it wonderfully. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
That's what I was trying to say, Lynn. Yeah, you did. You said all of that. I think it was just, it's, I love hearing it because I'm like, I love hearing that other people feel this way too. Cause I'm like you, sometimes I would sit back and think people must think our relationship is so strange. One, did you make him up? And two, are you sure that you guys are happy? You never see each other. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Same exact experience with it. And then on top of it, when they ask us what our husbands do for a living and you're like, (laughs) steer Russell. And they're like, what? Just completely mind blown. And you're like trying to explain it to him. I've thought about just lying about it a few times, just being like, he's a real estate agent. Yeah. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've been tempted to do that. You've like when you meet people that are really far, far removed from the rodeo orbit and they ask you something like that. And there'd be times I'm just like, he just travels a lot for work. Yes. And kind then of I said he's an athlete. And they're like, what kind of athlete? I'm yeah. like, not any kind you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. In fact, I was just down at, at Market in LA. And so most of the people down there don't have any idea about rodeo. And somebody that I've worked with for a long time, a rep down there, was trying to tell one of his coworkers. They're like, no, her husband's a rodeo guy. He's And he was doing his best. He's like, what is he called? He's a, a bull wrangler. I'm like, you were super close. He's a steer wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Or everybody just thinks that if you're a, like a cowboy, like a, a, a professional cowboy, you're a bull rider. That's yes. the only thing anybody knows. So to some people, and occasionally I'd just be like, yep, he's a bull rider. So you mentioned Vegas. That you have, I don't know, if, if anybody hasn't been, there's of course the NFR out in Vegas biggest 10 days of rodeo, but it becomes, Las Vegas becomes cowboy town and it's a whole shopping experience. I think a lot of people come just to go to cowboy Christmas and go shopping and you have, wait, do you have two booths there? I do. We have one yeah. upstairs and one downstairs at cowboy Christmas. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's just massive. So can you tell us like, what is a day like for you during the NFR out in Vegas? It's a blur of a whole entire 10 days, honestly. (laughs) I am definitely fed off of adrenaline, that's for sure. And so we have a booth. The booth opens from 9 a.m., I think, to 4 p.m. And then, yeah, I have my two girls down there. I have a wonderful team. I definitely could not do it without my team. I have a team of six girls working three upstairs or three downstairs, two upstairs. We have a girl there that's packing. We have a whole team at home that's working on online orders, but some of our stuff selling online is in Vegas. So that's why we have a girl there strictly just to pack in Vegas. (laughs) And then I'm fortunate to have a nanny, Gloria, that's been with me since my oldest Allie was little. So I have her down there just for part-time because I do like to be present in my booth as much as possible. It's the one time a year. It's the only retail show we do when tons of our customers that have been supporting us all year long come and shop. And so I absolutely love making that one-on-one connection with them. But it is becoming harder now that my girls are getting older. So I do struggle while I'm down there with that guilt that I think any working mom has. And that is just when I'm working, I'm worried about the kids and I'm with the kids. I'm worried about the business. So that's one of my biggest struggles down there. But usually my day in Vegas looks like get up in the morning, feed the girls. Gloria will help me with the girls or Dakota's mom will come. Then I head to my booth and spend some time there. Then I have to leave the booth early to come back and get ready for the round. Then we go to the round and watch Dakota. And then we'll usually try and take the girls to dinner or we'll go with sponsors as 
I'm sure you and Luke know. And we do that every day for 10 days. I keep telling myself this year that I'm not going to work my booth as much as I have in the past, but it's just so hard because it is like we work so hard up into that. And then I don't want to let customers down by me not being there. And I do love getting to see the reaction and see what they're buying and getting to meet them. So we'll see how much I'm in my booth this year. But Just listening to that. It sounds exhausting. I'm tired. Yeah. But I, it's like this adrenaline where it's like, I don't even realize it until after those I'm down there for 16 days. Um, cause we get there that early to set the boost up and it doesn't really hit me until after. And then I'm just like exhausted. So catch me the week after NFR, probably like in sweats and no makeup <laughs> and just, yeah. I mean, for your business, I'm sure you're like me in that, like you're talking about trying to be less there, less actual hours physically in your booth. But I, for me, feel like even when I'm away from my business, my brain is always still there. And then it's hard for me to just be present in what I'm doing. I always feel like I have a split brain. Half of my time and energy is devoted to this. Half of it's here. Just being pulled in so many different directions. Is there any way that you've found to even maintain a little bit of balance or (laughs) deal with that? The only way I've found to maintain a little bit of balance is help, (laughs) is my great team of workers, is my wonderful nanny, Gloria, who's like family to us. But I really am a believer and there just simply isn't enough time in the day to really have it all. You just can't. (laughs) I pray though that I'm an example for my girls and anyone else that of what hard work can do. And yeah, it's just amazing what you can do with hard work and no amount of skill can get you as far as hard work. And yeah, I definitely have that guilt in me, but yeah, if I can instill that in my girls, then I know it will will all be worth it and inspire women or the younger generation that may look up to me, then I know what I'm doing is what I should be doing. But as Mm -hmm. far as doing it all, you just you simply can't have it all and do it all. (laughs) You just have to balance what you can and keep your head up and surround yourself with the right people. I would say in terms of being able to have it all, this like quest that we always talk about, I, I think you are doing it. It's impossible to to 100% of the time be everything to everyone because nobody has that capability. But you really – I think you are doing it all. You need to give yourself a little bit more credit there. Thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> and then just like you were saying, like being that example to your girls, like that's huge is that you're – you're out there accomplishing these things. And I'm sure that they're taking it all in and it will really shape who they become. Yeah. And I think their father's doing that also in the rodeo arena as well. So, And that's one of the skills that I learned. I feel like growing up rodeoing, and I'm sure you two attest to that as well, Lens, but what it teaches you in the rodeo arena, it doesn't necessarily matter how much natural talent you have or how much money, but that hard work will always come out on top in the end. And so you learn those skills in rodeo, but you can use them in business and your career, but also just in life. Yeah, for sure. There's, we talk about it all the time, but there are so many like life lessons that rodeo teaches you. And I think just like you said, they're getting that from Dakota and everything that he's accomplishing and you and all of your goals and your incredible business and what you're accomplishing. And those are things that are universal. No matter what they decide to grow up and go out and do, they'll be able to take that and apply it to whatever area of life or whatever their passion or pursuit is, and it will help them be successful 
regardless of yeah. what they choose for themselves. Yeah. So I have another little story here that comes to mind <laughs> about <laughs> little Quincy back in school when I used to have, I used to come home and I remember my parents switched schools and I was struggling in school. And my dad, who's always been a great mentor, I talked about surrounding yourself with people who lift you up and wonderful mentors. So my dad, he knew that I was struggling and he used to take this little pillow out and he told me that it's a race, that life's a race. And he would show me that with his like little fingers on the pillow that we were just in a race. And he'd show me that I was in the back of the race. But he said, if I worked harder than everybody else in that race, then I would beat him eventually. And so I would come home, imagine the little second grader when like fourth grade, I'd be like, dad, where am I in the race? And by then I was just getting probably C's and B's. Like I wasn't ever like the smartest in elementary school. And he'd be like, you're right in the pack. And then in uh, high school, I studied so hard. I studied harder than anybody. And by that time I was in AP classes and like doing the best, but because I worked harder than anyone, mind you, not because I was like naturally super gifted. And then my dad would tell me, Hey, you're first in that race. Aww. And then just a few years ago, he was like, yeah, I think you blew them all out of the water, kid. Um, you, yeah, you're, you're the first in that race. And just to have my dad, I don't know if I really am first in the race, but I think it's like that inner battle that you and I were talking about. You're really, your biggest opponent is yourself. And for me, yeah. it was like a lack of confidence in myself, but I was, over to, I was able to overcome that with hard work and surrounding myself with people to give me that confidence. And yeah, there's really nothing you can't do when you put hard work and all the effort into it. And yeah, so it's really come full circle now. And I still think about that little pillow and where I'm at in the race, how much harder I have to work to get to where I want to be. I'm taking notes and I'm ready to run home to the boys and be like, okay, get your pillow. I got something important <laughs> I need to tell you. So corny. I, yeah, it's so corny. No, it's not at all. Sweet. I love that. It, it really, to you. a little kid with not a lot of confidence, it really connected with me. I really wanted to be first in that race. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I love hearing you say that because to me, I never thought of you as somebody who didn't have confidence. In fact, I always felt like she's got great self-confidence. Like you always mm -hmm. seem really self-assured and like really sure of who you were. And I think for me, like talking how I was talking about how I always struggled with that, I always wondered, gosh, how does that person get their confidence? And I just assumed or told myself that some people are just born with it. And maybe that's mm -hmm. true. I don't know. But to hear that it's something we're like, <laughs> <laughs> they were just born with it. <laughs> they were. In fact, I think he was given my share too. God, you get yeah. double. <laughs> Same. But I was nervous for this uh, podcast and Dakota's, what? Are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah, some of us aren't like you. <laughs> some of us get nervous for things. Oh, it's so true. Luke always teases me because he does his little, his show too. And he just goes and wings it. I'm like, what are you going to talk oh. about? He's like, I don't know. We'll just talk. And then he like pulls out my like six pages of notes and my little index cards and stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still nervous about it. But hearing somebody like you who I viewed as those things, I guess this goes back to you saying people see in us what we don't even see in ourselves. But hearing how that was learned confidence, I'm sure you probably feel now more like you've come into your own and are owning it Definitely. a little bit more. But definitely. to hear how that came along. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a lot more confident than that little second grader back in the day <laughs> now. I've definitely matured. But yeah, it's definitely been a mixture of the wonderful environment, this Western industry. I was thrown into all of these people lifting me up. Um, but I think everyone, I still even struggle with doubts like I used to. So 
Okay, so Rodeo Quincy has become so, so big, and you make it look really effortless to have this huge and growing brand. But I know from owning a business myself, like there are always struggles behind the scenes. What is the biggest challenge for you in owning a business? So owning my own business is definitely one of the hardest but most rewarding things. One of the hardest things is just being able to balance it all between work life, family life, managing a team is hard for me being the boss. Very sleepless nights where sometimes I don't sleep very well. There's lots of stress. There's second guessing myself. And there's also this pressure to constantly reinvent myself. We'll come out, I'll come out with a concept or my new designs. And it's almost like I can't even enjoy it because I'm so worried about what I'm going to do next. And so that's just like a pressure that's always there. But I will say that there's absolutely no greater feeling than seeing and hearing women so confident and beautiful in my clothes. And that's what makes it unbelievably so worth it all. Yeah. That must just be so rewarding. And I really identify with you talking about how it's hard to enjoy your successes or your victories in business when you feel like – and tell me if you feel this way. As I sometimes feel if you do something and you put it out there and it's successful, then the next thing you do has to be just as successful or better. Like you can't, and then it almost feels like a personal failure if it's not. I struggle with a constant fear that what if the next thing isn't good or isn't loved or isn't well-received? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's where just another rodeo arena life lesson is you just have to have thick skin. And we know in rodeo, you're not always going to win. And so it's a matter of the wins being bigger than the losses. And you're not always going to win just like in rodeo, but when you lose, how do you react when you lose? So I'm not everything I've ever done or designed has been a winner, but when it hasn't, it lights a fire in me. And I'm like, oh, I am going to come out with something that is going to win next time, you know? So it's like your perspective and the way that you handle it, because no, you're not going to just win every single time. And you're gonna, and you're not always gonna be everyone's cup of tea. And not everyone. If I sat there and looked at like Facebook comments on stuff that I designed all day, oh my gosh, they say some mean things. But it just goes back to yeah, it goes back to the lessons I learned while growing up having a tough mom. Like I did, she was just like, not everybody's gonna like you. You have thick skin. You toughen up. And I think that those skills really helped me. It helped me in my career, honestly. Yeah. I'm sure for you, because you're designing all of these things. These are all your designs, your yes. ideas, and so much work goes. I have the tiniest yeah. taste of what that is. You're doing it on a massive scale. If I'm at number one, you're at 100 in what we're <laughs> doing. Sweet. So uh, not only is that, I can't even imagine how much work and time and energy is going into that, but I know for me, when I come up with an idea, like you are going concept. It's this little ember. And then you see it brought to life and it feels so great. But then it also feels so personal putting it out there. And so when somebody doesn't like that, it's hard not to internalize it or take it personally because it feels like an extension of yourself. At least that's how I feel. Exactly. Nope. That's it. Exactly. And that's where, again, that you just have to have thick skin and know that not everybody's going to like your personal style. But That's one thing too that my mom instilled in me and that is part of like my brand is I want women to feel beautiful, but I 
want them to pick whatever they want to wear and what they feel good in, despite what others' perception of them may be. So you just really can't care. And it goes back to me being that little girl in the Catholic school with the uniform and maybe being teased because I had crazy socks on and just being like, who cares? You know, you can't really care what other people think. Some people love it and some people aren't going to love it, but you can't really care um, whatever makes you happy. And that's really all that matters. Yeah. Speaking of your personal style, that's one of the things that I love about Rodeo Quincy, your brand, is that it feels very much like an extension of who you are. I feel like your brand is really easily identifiable. Like I can see a shirt and not look at the tag and know that it's yours. I can see yours. It's like a really distinct style that's all your own. And I'm sure that now that it's become bigger, you probably see people drawing going to be nice and say inspiration from it. (laughs) But it's so you. And I feel like your personal style has always felt special and unique to you. I don't see a lot of people doing it. Your particular style, you do it so well. But it feels really authentic. It feels like you're just wearing what you love and not ever trying to emulate anything else. So describe your personal style. Sure. So my personal style, it's always changing. <laughs> I always go back to my roots and to two of the women who have been my biggest inspirations uh, growing up. And that's my grandmother. Her name was Rosita and my mother, Sally. So growing up, I just always looked up to their style. My grandmother was of Spanish descent. And so we love the Spanish heritage. And her name was Rosita, which meant little Rose. So we always, I grew up around bright colors, red roses. My mom loved red roses. So you'll always see a lot of red roses (laughs) with our designs. My dad always says, what are you going to do when a rose goes out of style? And I'm like, good thing. A rose is timeless and classy and it will never go out of style. (laughs) Otherwise, Rodeo Quincy may go out of style. But I, I tend to always go back to their styles. My grandmother, Rosina, had a very classy style. She was the ultimate uh, cowboy's wife cooking and cleaning for loads and loads of cattle work or cowboys working on the ranch. But she always had pearls and polka dots and denim and dressed the ninth. Even at the age of 93 years old, she was still dressing that way. And my mother got her style from her mother. But my mom added a wild twist to it. It was a little bit wilder than my grandmother was with her style. She'd pop, pop it off with like leopard and they both wore red lipstick. But my mom was wild. She'd put like high heels on her cowboy boots and then she'd go and hut in them and turn back <laughs> at the high school rodeos and her high heeled cowboy boots at 50 some years old. And she didn't care what anybody would say. My brand is really an extension of their style and then mixed with my own. But my styles definitely goes off of my mother and my grandmother's. One of my biggest designer inspirations, which probably won't be a surprise to you, is Ralph Lauren. Love his style. It's so timeless and classy and always rooted in the West. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. saw his last campaign with the big belt buckle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I do believe in those timeless pieces like denim is never going to go out of style. Um, Your style. You have the most amazing style, Lindsay. You're so classy and classic. And so, yeah, you remind me of that as well. But really, it's funny that you say it is just like what I love and what I wear because that is what my brand is. So (laughs) it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's fun and it makes me so beautiful. And if I can 
make another woman maybe step outside of her comfort zone and wear one of my pieces and feel beautiful and not care about somebody else's perception of her, then I feel extremely happy about what I'm doing and all of it is worth it. So. You mentioned your style evolving, which I think everybody's does. You go through different stages of life and kind of what you're into and your tastes and everything. Because you have such like a signature style with Rodeo Quincy, as you're evolving and your tastes are changing, do you ever feel pressure not to waver too far from the things that you're already known for because you've built an entire brand around it? No, not really. So I had Rodeo Quincy, but actually after losing my mom a few years ago, we wanted to honor her. And she was actually a designer back in the day. She had a clothing company called Marvel Cowboy. And Lily and I actually, my niece and my business partner, Lily's married to Dawson Hay. You had her on one of these. <laughs> Lily and I, Lily has like an amazing timeless style too. And she reels my wildness in, I would say. <laughs> I'm a little bit more wild than her with the clothing. So we decided to bring back the Marvel Cowboy line. So the Marvel Cowboy line is our premium like black label line. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more expensive, but you're really paying for quality. And these pieces aren't quite as wild. You won't find quite as many colors or as many bright red roses. But these Mm -hmm. are staple pieces. You're going to pay a little bit more, but they're going to be pieces that are going to be in your closet forever. And you're going to pass them down for generations. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. It's like a great way to encapsulate maybe how your style is evolving and changing a little bit. And there's, it seems like there's a really great way to marry the two. Like you can mix and match the pieces from both collections and it really speaks to like this broader audience. Like maybe you have people that are like hardcore Rodeo Quincy. They love the like louder things that you're doing and the leopards and the roses. And they can maybe introduce something new into their style by pulling from the other line. Or maybe you have people that tend to stick more like classic and subdued and they can go that route, but then add something like a little like brighter, punchier into their look by mixing the two. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly it. So it's another line for another market that we might not have appealed to before. Yeah. Now – Talking about fashion, talking about the NFR that are both coming up, and they are where the two worlds collide for sure. Let's talk about NFR fashion because I can't have you here and not do that. You are the voice (laughs) of all of us here going in. What do you think are the biggest trends this year that we're going to be seeing out? Oh, man. Anything goes. These girls are coming (laughs) prepared. They are working like months ahead of time on their outfits. And really anything goes. So I, I would not be surprised to see some crazy things, Lens. But as far <laughs> as like fashion forecast goes, which I feel like you're like as equally or more qualified as me at this. So tell me what you think. But I'm seeing this huge cargo pant trend, which I'm all here for. I love the cargo pants. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I'm hoping sweatsuits is a trend because we just launched a bunch of really cute <laughs> fancy sweatsuits with Marvel Cowboy. And if anyone doesn't have their NFR game figured out, you can swing by our booth at Cowboy Christmas because we'll have you covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel like the concho belts are making a comeback and they're just a staple classic piece. Denim. It's Vegas. We're going to see sequins. Oh, okay. This is something that is making a comeback and I'm here to make the announcement. 
<laughs> rhinestones and the Swarovski rhinestones are coming back. And I'm all here for it too, okay. the rhinestones. Tell us more about that. What are you seeing them on? Everything? Everything. T-shirts, denim, jeans. Yeah. And if it sparkles and shimmers, then I'm like attracted to it. (laughs) (laughs) Even Lily. Lily's a little bit more – yeah, she's not as crazy with me with the stuff like that. And she's like loving the rhinestones. So we've been working on some rhinestone pieces. Um, I can't wait to see how you do it. (laughs) What is your – describe your personal – ideal NFR outfit. What is something we'll see you in? Towards the beginning of the week, I'll probably be much more put together. And then by <laughs> the end of the week, because of the exhaustion and the stress, I will be rocking my sweatsuit with my platform high-heeled tennis shoe. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, Lynn's my ideal outfit is just something that I feel really good in and really confident in. And just because I feel good and confident in it doesn't mean that's something that somebody else would feel that way. And yeah, I'm not sure. It's just something that I feel beautiful in, really. Yeah. You're not going to catch me in Crocs, though. You're never (laughs) going to catch me in Crocs. (laughs) I I was just my next question. Never, not even when you're standing 12 hours a day, you're not wearing flats, ever. One of the things that annoys Dakota the most about me is that I never have flat shoes on. And I'm like, really? That's it? That's just, that's nothing, Dakota. But yeah, we'll be going to town and all my tennis shoes have some sort of heel to them. And I'm like, it's just me. I just am who I am. Just let me be me, okay? And even setting up my booth in Vegas, I'm like climbing the ladder and I have wedge tennis shoes on. I just, I can't do flat. But that's just me personally. I'm not against people who wear flat shoes. Oh, I love that. I was just – I was going to ask you, like, what's the one thing we'll never see Quincy wear? And you went ahead and answered it. We'll never see you wear flat shoes. I will say, though, my girls have the most adorable pair of Crocs. And so I don't know if I'm being a hypocrite, but they have really cute Crocs with those little beads on them that have, like, the roses and the little stars. And, yeah, I just personally won't wear those. Dakota has a pair. So – NFR fashion, I feel like, has become a spectator sport. Like, it's become so huge. How do you feel, like, going into Vegas, preparing to see it all? I'm all for it. I love going and seeing what everyone's going to wear. It's always out of the box. Anything goes. There really are no rules. I talk about just wearing what you feel confident in, and I think that's what these girls are doing. They're bringing their A game. And I love it. I love just sitting there and people watching. And it's really inspirational for me as well because I'm always working on design so far ahead of time. And so it really helps me with what to work on, seeing what they're all wearing. It's probably a great place for you too because not only are you seeing so so many different styles or people's personal styles colliding in one spot too, but you probably – then it's like you're keeping your fingers on the pulse of fashion. Like what's next? What girls are actually wanting to wear? What you're seeing out there, right? To draw inspiration for and then meld it and put your own Rodeo Quincy signature on it. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely the Mecca. Before NFR, it's just we do a lot of scrolling on Instagram and Facebook and magazines. But like NFR is it's all our from all women from all walks of life coming from all different areas around the world and just seeing what they put together is so fun and so inspirational for me as a designer. Okay. I have a designer-related question. When you're creating these designs, 
Do you ever feel like have a gut feeling about a style? Oh, I just think this is going to be like the number one seller. Are you ever surprised by something that ends up being a hit that you don't see coming? All the time. Yeah. (laughs) Every I've been doing it long enough now that I have pretty good ideas. But every once in a while, there'll be something that like I didn't pour my heart and soul into and it just takes off like wildfire and is like our number one. And then there's something that I poured my whole heart and soul into and it did not take off like I thought it would. So (laughs) that's just part of it. Yeah. I've often felt the same, not in designing, but even just like in buying for my store, like I'll go down and buy and be like, oh, everybody's going to love this. This is so easy. And that's the thing that sits. And then there'll be something that I'm like, oh, I'm not sure this feels like a risk. And you take it. And then that's the thing everybody wants. I'm like, when people are so unpredictable. (laughs) Yes. And then how about ones how you have something and you're constantly like pushing it and it's not selling. And so then you finally get rid of it. And then like a year later or six months later, they're like, where is this? And you're like, I had it and you didn't buy it. Like everybody's always got suggestions too on like what you should do and how you should do it. And it's like you said, I don't think people realize just how like personal it is for me because it's something I've been working on most of the time. Like the stuff that we are launching at NFR I've been working on like at least six months in advance about sometimes even a year on this stuff. And so for them to just say any negative little thing about it, it's oh, like I work so hard on that. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> so luckily true. for me, it's way more positive feedback than it is negative feedback. And it by far like overshadows any anything negative that I would hear. So it's it's really like the most amazing feeling ever to to get complimented on something you work so hard on, or even just to see people walking around at NFR and something that I created. And sometimes I'll just walk up to them and be like, hey, I love your shirt or I love those boots. Uh, I don't even, my friends are like, what? That's so weird. You don't tell them that you made that. And I'm like, no, I just want to compliment them and hopefully they keep buying. (laughs) (laughs) That must be such a great feeling. It's just, because I know I see girls out in Vegas that, uh, tons of them are wearing your designs, either head to toe or a piece here and there. And like I said, it's easy for me to spot and recognize. But I didn't think about that, like how cool that must be for you to be that time of year, this whole year of hard work for both you and Dakota is paying off like hugely at that time of year. But for you to go out there and just see girls walking around that they don't even, may not even recognize you, but to see them out there looking great, feeling great, because something you created is what they chose to wear on a special night. Like what a cool feeling for you. It is the best feeling. And it's amazing because so many women out there I do know and they are good friends and and so supportive. And I have got a lot of family out there, but it's also a a whole nother feeling when it's somebody who I don't know and I've never Mm. met and they're just like rocking something that I created and I can tell they're confident and they feel beautiful. That's when I know that all of the hard work, all the stress, all the blood, sweat, and tears, it's all worth it. <laughs> and nothing oh. can yeah, really quite make me feel like that does. And then hopefully that same night, Dakota goes out there and throws down a steer for super fast. <laughs> super and then fast. He has a, I'm sure that gives him that same feeling that it gives me when I see someone wearing something that I created. Oh, for sure. Now, at the end of every episode, we do a couple of things. And one of them is asking if you would share your favorite rodeo moment or memory. 
gosh, there's been so many. It's 10 years. So I'm like, how do I, <laughs> how do I boil this down? Probably just Dakota's average wins. He's had two average wins at the NFR. And they were both on his horse, Rusty, which you and Luke are very familiar with. Luke <laughs> won the world on Rusty. Yeah. And so that, that was just really cool because Rusty has been there all along. Back when Dakota was high school rodeoing and I met him, he was steer wrestling off of Rusty. And then all throughout college, he was steer wrestling on Rusty and actually roping on Rusty. And then the start of his pro rodeo career was on Rusty and he mm-hmm. won the uh, rookie of the year that year on Rusty, the all around and the steer wrestling. And then a few years later, he won the average title on Rusty. And so it was pretty cool. I'm not sure anyone else has <laughs> taken a horse. Oh, and, and Rusty, not to mention, was born on his grandpa's place, raised by his grandpa too. So yeah, so I would say that's probably one of the coolest yeah. you know, moments and memories for, for sure. us. Like you said, Rusty has a very special place in our hearts and clearly and the brain in your hearts family. Too. Yes. <laughs> yes. As he was he's yeah. one of that like life once in a lifetime kind of horse. Yes. And now I think just seeing Sally out there riding Rusty because Aww. he's now Sally's horse and Ruby's. <laughs> and he's just this retired horse out there and they lope him around the barrels and every once in a while I'm like, is he does he still got it in him? Is he gonna like bolt? <laughs> but it's so cute because it's like they know when there's a kid on them, you know? Yeah. It's so special. And, uh, yeah, so it's yeah, probably the best memory. And last but not least, we've been doing a thing where a previous guest of the podcast leaves a question for me to ask the guest that I have on now. <laughs> so I have one for you. What is your definition of success, like personal success? I think wonderful memories because that's all we have in the end. We don't have money and probably happiness. Happiness is is success. I think that's too why we're out here rodeoing. We're making amazing memories. And luckily the boys nowadays are making a little bit more than they did back in the day, like (laughs) when my dad was rodeoing. (laughs) I think if you have wonderful memories and if you're surrounded by people that love you and people that you love and you have a healthy family, then that's all really that matters. Yeah. Amen. I could not agree more. Well, Quincy, thank you so much for coming on and telling us more about you. I've loved it. Oh, thank you so much, Lynn. Thanks for making it so easy. You're awesome at talking to. And I just, I look up to you in many ways also. So you're just, you're so beautiful in so many different ways. You really are. Thank you. Well, that's another great episode under our belts. And I'd love to hear what you thought. Share your favorite parts, something that really hit home or inspired you, or just share with others so they can know where to find us. It's the best way for you to cheer on these amazing people whose stories we've heard. So head on over to Instagram, be sure to tag Companion Pass, myself, and today's guests with your greatest takeaway from this episode. Thanks for being a part of our rodeo family, and we'll catch you at the next one. Mm